This episode of the Living Yoga Show was brought to you by the Living Yoga Society's Outreach Project, dedicated to serving the community and providing yoga and spiritual life coaching to people in deep life-changing experiences, including PTSD, cancer, anxiety, depression, birth, and end-of-life transitions. To add your heartbeat to this outreach project, go to livingyogasociety.org slash donate and follow the link to patreon.com or PayPal. Hello, and welcome to the Living Yoga Show. I'm Shivani, and together with my co-host Param Jodi, we will explore the teachings of yoga, its techniques, philosophy, and take a look at how it can be applied to our everyday life. So, here we go. Hi, and welcome to the Living Yoga Show. My name is Shivani. And I'm Param Jodi. It's unusually warm here at Ishtadev Niwas Yoga Center. I think we had almost 30 degrees yesterday in April, which is a bit insane because we haven't had rain in a month. That's right. And what are you up to today? Uh, today at Ishtadev Niwas, we are baking bread. We've made it yesterday, and the oven is just about cool enough to put the bread in and then clean up. And it's courtyard construction. Is that your way of telling me you've got a limited time to record and you're going to have to duck off soon? That's right. right. What time did you wake up this morning? I've been up since three, firing the oven and making bread. Awesome. So I had an interesting question come up in Calgary this weekend while I was there. And uh, here, I got them to record the question for you. Take a listen. Hi. I wanted to ask a question. From a yoga perspective, when I'm going through a change, is feeling really uncomfortable a sign that I'm going in the right direction or the wrong direction? So do you have any initial thoughts on that before you have to duck away? Yeah. I, uh, at, at my work at a hospital, change is something that is always happening all around us on the external. And something that probably not happening a whole lot at the hospital is internal change. So in our lives, we have this external change that's happening all the time all around us. And we have internal changes that are happening as well. So my first thought to the, to the person asking, is she referring to dealing with change on the outside? Like when they institute new policies in the hospital and people have to learn and adapt to them, or are they talking about internal change where... Well, I think she said about feeling uncomfortable. Sure, So sure, with change, right? So which change is it? So in the ashram, we have the phrase adapt, accommodate, adjust. And that is a way of understanding that external change and internal change are, are intimately linked. So when you have change, you adapt, you accommodate, you adjust. And that's a way of developing awareness about change and as as you do go more and more into the world of yoga you may find that either you become more flexible and you're able to adapt accommodate adjust to any external situation and that's because you've adapted accommodated adjusted to internal situations and it's the internal situations that are more challenging because they're far less physically talent, tangible. You can't see them. You can't touch them. You have to have discernment. So the ability to see, you know, which path is the path of the highest good for you. 
And so she's referring to an internal change, whether it's within a situation or, or what have you, that she's trying to move through or is moving through and is wondering whether or not it's, you know, because it's become uncomfortable, it's a change that is bad for you or because it's uncomfortable, it means it's a change that is good for you. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer that anybody could really give you other than a really high master in yoga or another field who could really see your karma and understand you on a very deep level. I think uh, the goal of yoga is for you to be able to discern that for yourself, whether that change is good or bad. And, and that's a level of honesty with yourself about what you're actually going through and what you're actually feeling and start to really dig deep and do that deep reflection of jnana yoga and really get to know yourself and find out if those changes and those feelings that are coming up are warning you about the path that you're on or they are being purified out of you and thus you have to feel them and move through them. It's an interesting process, isn't it? It is. And it can be very uncomfortable when stuff, things, experiences, emotions start to come up. But for them to come come out, they've got to go up and out. They don't they don't just disappear. You you can't just delete them like an email. It's you got to read the email first. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a there's a really interesting um, nuance of experiencing uncomfortableness without identifying with it. Right to to witness the feelings, and and I think from my perspective, well, we'll get into that in a moment. Do you have to go bake bread? I do. Okay, you go bake bread, and I'll keep chatting. Thank you. You're welcome. So now we are alone. So from my perspective, when we start to navigate change from a yogic perspective. Okay, there, there are many ways to navigate change and there are many uh, the paths to be able to do this. So I'm just going to um, speak about it from my own personal experience of using yoga to navigate change. And for me, it comes right down to the seed, the seed of intention. First of all, um, you need to have a seed of intention. You can't walk through life so haphazardly that change happens to you, right? When we start to experience change happening to us, it's very hard to discern what is changing a lot of the times if we don't have the uh, deeper awareness of what is the emotional uh, and patterns, mental patterns that are coming to the surface. So what I'm saying is that you want to interact from change with change not from a place where it's happening on the outside and you try and understand on the inside. We want to be able to plant the seeds of the inside so that we experience the change on the outside as a relationship to the inside. So it goes from the inside out rather than from the outside in. And also an absolute key part of this process is perspective, that the uncomfortableness of change is happening for you, not to you. When we can interact with change as it is showing us what we have inside of us and which direction we need to go, rather than something that our old patternings need to try and survive, then we can actually use the uncomfortableness to step forward, 
rather than to hold us back. So when we have an intention to change, it might be um, to move through life not feeling so much anger. It might be to speak kindly to your loved ones. Uh, it might be to be the best parent that you can be. And when we set this intention, uh, we use our yoga practices as a baseline. So you, you have like a five-minute yoga practice or sadhana, and this practice is consistent that you do every single day. Some days you want to, some days you don't. That does not matter. There's, there's this old saying that we have of if the sun rises and you poop, you will also do your practice. That these things guarantee that the, the day is starting on a, on a good note. And when you have a yoga practice as a baseline, you start to be able to witness your fluctuations a bit more easily um, from an emotional and a mental perspective. So when you have an intention and then you use yoga as a baseline practice, right? The same practices for the same duration every single day. And, and a, a, a well-versed yoga teacher can help you create a mini uh, personal practice. It's not something you should uh, just choose by yourself if you're not trained in it. It's something you should get a teacher to actually help you with. And using this baseline as uh, something to sort of um, jump off in terms of your awareness when the uncomfortableness, uncomfortableness starts to come to the surface you know that that is purifying right when we get uncomfortable about a situation there's something inside of us that wants to be addressed and I know sometimes that can be really hard to swallow all too often, we want our uncomfortableness to be a sign that somebody else needs to change. But whenever we're in a situation, a life situation where something has brought up uncomfortableness in us, it's showing us where we have not shown a light on our ability to see what is actually happening. Because when we can see what's actually happening and we have an emotional and mental strength to meet that with discernment, discernment, with kindness, with witnessing, we're able to discern what is right action and, and to feel the, the clarity of right action is a tremendous freedom because it's a muscle that must be worked. So when we are in this state of uncomfortableness, when we have done the preparation work, now the preparation work comes down to trust, right? When we work with yoga as a practice, we have a foundation of trust in the divine, trust in the wisdom of the practices from the root of our intention through the stalk of our practice that the flower that it blooms is going to be in our most high. When we don't have an intention and we just haphazardly get thrown into experiences in life and we don't have a baseline or a practice, it, it can feel really rocky. It can feel really uncomfortable. And that's because our trust is in our ego. But when we're changing, it's our ego's perspective that's changing. You can't hold on to the thing that's trying to morph. You can't control something and change it at the same time. It's a myth. So when 
you want to be able to transform, you have to hold on to something that has real roots. And that is a faith in the divine, faith in consciousness and spirit and universe in that the sun will rise in the east tomorrow. You have to be able to hold on to something that is not linked to your direct ego. Then we use the discipline or the tapasya, that spiritual fire of the daily practice. And then the uncomfortableness actually becomes a sign that it's working rather than a sign that we're doing something wrong. And even, you know, after years and years and years of practicing yoga, I, it, it can get really tricky. It can get really nuanced. It can get the deeper the stuff that comes up, the harder it is sometimes to discern um, that a, an uncomfortable feeling is temporary and that it's not that you're just digging yourself in a deeper hole that you're never going to get out of. They call that the dark night of the soul, you know, St. Saint, Saint John's dark night of the soul, where you think that this feeling is actually going to kill you and you sit on the floor and you bawl your eyes out. Um, and then a lightness comes and the sun does rise the next morning and you have a little bit of clarity. And this is where having a relationship with a, a teacher, um, if you have one, uh, if you don't have one and you want to use yoga as a, for deep transformation, then um, I recommend that you try and find one. Uh, for those who are able to uh, and are ready for it, then you will come into the contact of a, a yogic master uh, and cultivate a relationship with them, um, which is also another relationship based on trust. Uh, not trust in a human being. Human beings are fallible. But trust on the frequency of light that that being embodies. When I... When I first had an experience of being in the presence of a master, of a enlightened being, I was 26. I had done a 500-hour teacher training. I was a yoga teacher. Um, and I went to India with a Swami, a Purna Sanyas, and uh, we got there. And... We're doing karma yoga, we're having our classes, we're eating the food, we're, we're integrating into this, this place. And uh, about two weeks into our three-week trip, there was like this, this little murmur that went through our group. The master, Sri Swamiji, is going to give us darshan. I'm like, okay, who's Sri Swamiji and what's darshan? Darshan means glance glance of the, a master. To have even brief eye contact with an enlightened being is uh, tr has, has a transmission behind it, which we call a, a shaktipat, or, or a shot of, of peace. It's a shot of light of a transmission. It is wild and humbling. Humbling is really the best term to be in the presence of a master. But here I am, 26, white woman, sitting in India. Um, I'd had a very impulsive, uh, through nobody had said anything to me and I'd never been to an ashram before, but the morning before we went to the ashram, I had this impulse halfway through my breakfast to shave my head and my hair was down to like my uh, elbows. And, and I, 
it wasn't to fit in because I wouldn't have fitted in with being a, a new person there with a shaved head. Um, it was for a clean start. It was so that I could really give myself a, a, a turn the page new beginning. This was a new new pattern. It came from a very deep soul place of myself. So the person next sitting next to me, who I'd met about three days before, um, told me to drop my spoon of my breakfast, grabbed me by my hand, took me outside into Kolkata, and threw me on a uh, upside down cardboard box, and uh, paid a, a little Muslim man some rupees and asked him to shave my head. Of which he wasn't too happy about shaving a woman's head, um, but he uh, he obliged us, and uh, they threw my hair in the Kolkata gutter, which was just a very surreal experience for me to put my head down between my knees, have this person shave my head, bring my face back up again, and see all of my hair in the gutter. Um, it was a tremendous letting go, and then when I looked in the mirror. Uh, for the first time afterwards, I cried, and you know, believe it or not, it wasn't. I wasn't crying because I was uh, sad. I was crying because it was the first time I had ever really seen myself, and I realized that my hair on my head, every hairstyle, every length, every color, every perm, whatever I had had on my head was linked to memories of different interactions and it was a clean, it really was a clean start. So I had shaved my head before I got to this ashram and this, this murmur went through the uh, ashram that we were going to have dashan with Sri Swamiji. And I walk into this room and this incredibly pale Indian was sitting on a choki, I think they're called, they're the little uh, simple beds with no mattress. And he was sitting there on a cushion, very, very plain clothing. Um, and he had clearly not been outside in quite a while because he was that kind of paleness that you get when you don't go into the sun a whole lot. And I was told that he'd been doing very deep sadhana and nobody had seen him for a couple of months. Anyway, so he's sitting there and he starts talking about the temperature a room should be in when somebody practices asana. And I'm going to be really honest with you. I was like, oh my God, I've come to the other side of the world to hear this master. And he just wants to talk about the room temperature should be in when we practice asana and why he's chosen not to have the fans on because when we're slightly uncomfortable, that's when the deepest change can happen. So he didn't have the fans on in our room. And he explained that he could afford the power to have our fans on, but he didn't want to because he wanted us to transform. And I'm like, okay, this is totally weird. And I'm sitting there. And then to me, in my memory, and this might not be completely accurate, but he was kind of almost like halfway through a sentence and he went silent. And in the silence... I was like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Everybody's sitting here still. The person that we're here to listen to has just shut his eyes like he's having a nap and he's sitting there not doing anything. And it was really, it was really uncomfortable. And I'm sitting there trying to like look like I know what I'm doing, but I don't know what I'm doing because my brain is like racing. And then there was this energy and this like little bead of energy, like a firefly kind of energy, came in through the top of my head, 
went all the way down my body, all the way back up, popped out the top of my head, and I suddenly thought, I think that's you. I think that you are looking at me on a really deep level. And when I had this thought run through my mind, this whoosh of the most unconditional love I have ever experienced rushed over me. Now, I, I say that it's more than a mother's love. I am a mother. I know the depth of a mother's love, but this love was different. It was complete connection with no attachment. This love was the most unconditional love. This being I knew, this, this man, but, but it, it wasn't really a man. It wasn't a person. It was a, a stream of light coming through a body. The stream of light that we called Sri Swamiji knew me. He, he knew the deepest, darkest, most awful things I've ever done. He knew the fullest potential beyond my wildest dreams. In that moment, I knew that this being sitting in front of me knew me better than I knew myself. And all I could feel was love. And I realized that to embody this frequency of love, this unconditional love, this, it doesn't matter if you're sitting in front of me and you're a rapist or a murderer or Hitler, whatever your soul is capable of, there is only love. That doesn't mean condonement. That means that the frequency of love that you're able to embody, sit in unconditionally, is about you. It's not about what sits in front of you. This being has the highest knowledge and in the highest knowledge understands and in the understanding has compassion and in the compassion loves. And I realized that this is why we come into body, is to embody that frequency of love. That's it. That's the whole point. It ain't to pay your mortgage. It ain't to have kids. It ain't to do whatever else we think it's to do. It is to have the experiences to allow us to constantly choose love in the face of everything that is uncomfortable. And then when we're feeling the uncomfortableness, that is showing us the pieces that we have not yet digested or resolved in ourselves. So from a yogic perspective, to be uncomfortable and when you are in a state of change is to tell me that you're at the piercer piece of a breakthrough. And to keep trusting, to keep doing the practices, to reach out to your teacher for a little uh, support, maybe a little uh, perspective shift to help your mind integrate the change a little bit more effectively. But yes, to be uncomfortable is to go in the right direction. If you are able to keep the awareness that the uncomfortableness is the piece that needs digesting so that you can embody a deeper level of love. I walked out of the room that day and I said, I don't want, I, I said this to the divine, I didn't say it to a human, but I said this to, the, to myself, to my higher self, I don't want to live unless I am actively moving in the direction of embodying the frequency like that person in that room has achieved. And I want to have that person as my inspiration 
as my guide and I'm willing to do the work on myself to make headway. I may not get there in this lifetime. I have some stuff to move through. But if I'm actively moving in that direction, I will I will consider it a life well lived. The other night I was standing outside our little cabin. We live in a little cabin that doesn't have power. It doesn't have running water. Um, to me, it's heaven. And I was standing outside our little cabin. This is by choice, by the way. It's not because we can't. It's, it's because that is the level of simplicity we want to live in. It's okay if you don't understand that. It's, it's okay. Um, but I was standing outside and I heard this bird. It was glorious. Uh, I took a little, little recording of it. I tried to capture the song of the bird, but also uh, a little bit about what I was experiencing and feeling right at that moment. So there's some poetic rambling musing. Anyway, check it out. Third, unassuming in size, sits at the absolute peak of the tree and sings, sings of its beauty, calling to all those who can hear it of like mind. It's how I think of the enlightened ones. Knowing true beauty, they sit at the top of the tree and they call out to all those who can hear them. Unconditionally singing, spreading beauty and love. For beauty's sake, for love's sake. Singing to Davy as the moon. So to be willing to know that there's going to be beings out there that want to eat you. There's coyotes, there's cats, there's all sorts of things here that want to eat the songbird. But to be willing to stand at the highest peak that you can embody and choose to sing loud and proud of the beauty of nature, of love, and to share that unconditionally. If we all keep our eye on the light, that this is our intention for being in body, then the level of uncomfortableness that we must endure seems only but a morsel of what we are capable of. So I hope this helps from a little understanding of the process of change from a uh, yogic perspective, yogic 
not yogurt perspective. That's my weird accent. And uh, yeah, keep singing and keep surrounding yourself with people that shine their light as bright as they possibly can. Keep up your yoga practice. Seek out a teacher if you need to create one for yourself. And have an absolutely beautiful day. Namon Narayan. Okay, so side note just before we go to end credits. In our first podcast, we talked about the teaching of Purnamada, which Purnamidam, which is uh, this is complete, that is complete. The, the, the teaching that one plus one equals one. And I, I made a joke that we should make t-shirts about it. Uh, well, we had a message from somebody who listened to a podcast to say that they actually really wanted a t-shirt. So we've made some. Uh, it says one plus one equals one Purnamada, and it has our little Ishtadev Niwas logo on it. If you would like to purchase one, they are $30 plus uh, shipping. And you can send us a message to info at livingyogasociety.org. And any profits that come from the t-shirts are going to go straight back into our outreach and scholarship programs. So let us know if you would like them. And also, if you have a question that you would like us to give our opinions and our thoughts from a yogic perspective on, uh, please send us an email with your phone number so that we can have a recording of you say your question and we can take it from there. Have a wonderful day. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends on Facebook. And feel free to donate a dollar at livingyogasociety.org slash donate.